All right, Big D back with another episode. Before I bring in the night's guest, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. See all my content. It could be running, walking, football, golf, basketball, MMA. You don't know what to expect. Also, check out the Big D podcast for audio audio listeners on Spotify and Apple. So, uh, joining us from the Bay Area, one of my favorite people, America's Race Walking Kareem. Robin, uh, whether she's uh, walking past you on the side of the road or saying hi at saying hi at the Olympics, the U.S. or race walking championships, Robin seems is always available. Well, thank you, Dylan. I try to be always available for you. <laughs> I make room for you. Uh, thank, thanks, Robin. So, uh, so. Uh, Usually I'm the hot spot, but I think you might have me. I think you you might have me in terms of temperature of the night. Right? Yeah, I didn't know we were in a competition of how much heat we were in our heat battle, but yeah, uh, it's 105 today where where I am, and so it's it's pretty hot. So. I've I've got a question. What's it? What's the uh, humidity level in your neck of the woods? Because you know woods swampy. No, I know what the the humidity. Because you said it's ninety four right now where you are, but your humidity is probably also ninety four. Let me see what ours is. Just get a little rain, so it might be a hundred percent humidity. Probably it was like gonna rain. Oh, nice. Um, let's see. Humidity. Apple changed the. Oh, only 33 with a dew point of 62. No, it's it's a dry heat. It's more like a it's more like an Arizona heat, right? Well, yeah, that's what I like about California, Arizona, New Mexico areas. And, and like Spain's very similar too. Just dry, dry heat. I know I know but, Seville, I know Seville's like one of the hottest places in Europe, but it's I've never been to Seville yet. I had a friend that was out there this past summer you know or not past summer like when i was there um when i was in europe i had a friend who was in seville and i i, I know a lot of my spanish teammates were here in seville here and there for training with their spanish federation led um camps but i have not been there yet <laughs> so uh, as you know that's title of this episode is summer training travel so how have you training and travel and traveling and going because you've been to like spain you've been to ireland i mean you've been all over the world well it seems more like i've been doing more traveling than training even though the traveling was for the training and competing um i was in europe for the world athletics race swap gold label tour and specifically for that so with a based uh i was supposed to be based in spain like i was last year Unfortunately, there was a miscommunication and uh, so the way my coach wasn't sure because it's also it's organized by the Spanish Federation, so it's not organized by him. So he wasn't sure what exact dates the Spanish were going to be where because they kind of move around, to, you know, depending on what they need, you know, if it's going to be altitude training they need or something like that. And so when I I have to book my tickets in February no later uh so at the time when i had reached out to him uh he wasn't sure what that schedule is and I, I the longer i wait 
the more expensive things get. And as you know, like I was impoverished by the sports manipulation last year and then I live on a credit card. So I had put, I have to put everything on a card up front while it's cheap and then hope that by the end of the year I can pay that training, um, those training costs off. Uh, so this year I ended up in Poland as my base area because one of my training partners, she would train with me in Spain. Uh, she's from Ecuador, uh, Magali Bonilla, and she is engaged to a Polish man who's not an athlete. Uh, well, he's athletic, but he's not in, you know, he's not in track and field. So uh, he lives there. So my coach was just like, okay, let's, let's pair up with Magali and then you'll be out there training with her. And then once we can figure out what we're doing with the Spanish Federation, you can meet up with us. So that was the original plan. Um, I went out there though, but all, all it started last October. It wasn't really sure what was going on with my body. Um, I started feeling like really like these weird feelings of malaise uh, to where it's not, when I'm working at, it's like I have the grit, I have the determination, I have the ability, I have the will. My body can do it, but it can't. Like it was just too tired. And it was like this weird feeling of like, why can't I go? I can't make myself move. And it, it started around October of last year, September, October. And, and then it just progressively was getting a little worse. And I thought it was maybe it was because I was getting used to the humidity in Florida. Maybe I was getting used to the altitude because we had the altitude tent training. Um, I thought, you know, and then when it wasn't that I thought, okay, I had ended up with a UTI in January that I did not know I had until the end of the January nationals race. And yeah, so I, I thought, oh, I was peeing a lot, but I thought it was because I was well hydrated and then, um, found out I had a UTI, never had one of those before, but then had to go almost two weeks with no treatment for it because I had to drive across the United States. And so I thought, okay, maybe I'm having issues because I'm, you know, I'm sitting a lot and I had the UTI and then I got antibiotics and then they thought, okay, the antibiotics killed some of the good stuff in your body plus the bad stuff. So that's why you're having issues. And then I went to Spain or I went to Poland and uh, it was just, um, it was just one thing. It was, it was just one thing after another and I just kept I kept thinking you know trying to keep positive like okay we'll get around this it's, it must be the stress of the sports manipulation stuff that I was dealing with with my direct USA race walk competitors or it's the stress with the rape case that I was dealing with so it's like hey, we got to figure this out and um but then in Poland it was super cold it was it was snowing all the time and um but anyway I had some I've had a, a couple really good workouts and then a lot of bad ones and um, just of trying to figure out what's going on with my body. I went to do dents, had to drop out of that race and uh, still couldn't figure out what was going on. Tested myself for COVID, expecting me to not have COVID because I didn't have any like, typical COVID symptoms other than now in hindsight, like malaise. There's just extreme feelings of malaise. And um, I immediately tested negative. Um, so, that's when I found out I had COVID. And so I rested for seven days. I didn't do anything. Met up with Magalay at the end of that seven days. And we started training again. Training was great for two weeks going into Varsov because there was a race. Um, I'm trying to remember how they say it correctly, but in Warsaw. Um, 
I went to go attend that race, hoping for a good 20K to increase my rank on the world rankings. And I didn't have the energy. Like about three days before the race, three or four days, I started feeling that malaise again and my body just wouldn't move. And so I forced myself to finish that race. And then I, I had to leave the Shenzhen area because I miscalculated my visa. And so I needed at least nine days left for World Budapest. Um, and if I so if I didn't leave the Shenzhen area, I wouldn't have enough time for Budapest. So I left for Ireland. <laughs> and while I was in Ireland, I went to go do a track workout that's normally not hard for me. And I could barely finish two laps. Um, so I couldn't finish the two laps. I call my coach probably in tears. Like, I don't know what's going on with my body, but it is not behaving for months. It's just not like there's what you're like, what is going on? And he's like, I think you have long COVID, Robin. Um, one of the other Spanish athletes had it, uh, Lauren, uh, Lara, and um, it took her about three to four months last year to recover. And so he said, Robin, I just want you to not compete or train for three months. Um, which is, of course, this is like the whole reason why I'm in Europe is to train and compete because that's where I get the best training. That's where the best competition is and the, the best courses are. And so I I don't know. And my friends, you know, my international family and teammates. And um, so everything was already booked. So I had to stay um, because everything's on my credit card. I can't cancel it. And so uh, but I can't train or compete anymore. So we try. So we talked it over. I just talked it with my coach, talked it over with my coach and we I am working on because I'm phasing out of being a professional athlete um, to the next my next goal in life, my next career path. And uh, but as I'm phasing out, I want to, you know, I'm happy to I want to help, you know, like give back to the sport and discipline and fix some of when I say some a lot of the problems in our sport and in our sport culture. And you know, as a means to protect the rising stars coming up. And um, so I want to, you know, we don't have enough international certified race walk judges. So I used that opportunity as, um, you know, I just, I, when I went to Portugal, where I was supposed to race, that was the hardest because just standing there as a judge instead of an athlete was just a complete flip of what I'm used to. And so my body's like, wait a minute, you're supposed to be out there. But instead I was a shadow judge and they had told me they're like, yeah, no, no one's really ever asked us, but um, sure, you can shadow judge us. Um, so basically, I like I'm not an official judge, but I can be out there. I get a, you know, I get the whole cards, and I judge the very athletes I compete with that are my friends. And um, so I'm watching them, and it was very eye-opening too, just to see see it from the other side and at that level, at the the best level, and. Um, and so you turn in your card at the end and it, they compare it to the other judges and you see they see how you compare to them so that when I'm ready to get certified and take the test, you know, it just kind of gives a, a good idea of, of where I, I rank with them in quality and, and readiness to be an official judge. So that was my first time doing an international judging um, was in Portugal and then after that, I was like, well, um, I might as well just build that resume since I can't compete now uh, as a means to protect. My, my coach is amazing. He's an amazing human being. He's not just an amazing coach. 
Um, he is first and foremost concerned about our wellness and health. And so for him, it's like, no, I can't give you workouts until we know that you don't have complications from this COVID. So you need to get checked. You need to just take complete recovery because next year is the important year, the 2024. So yeah, it'll be nice if you can do Budapest. It'd be nice if you can do Pan Ams. But right now we just need your focus to be on your health. So uh, so in Brady was European Championships. I was completely excited to be the only American accepted to compete in the tour part of it. And uh, that way, I mean, every American race walker, at least most of us, would dream to race walk in European Championships. So I was really excited and really wanted to do it. But of course, I get this long COVID or whatever was going on. Um, so I got to, I, I just, I woke up at 5.30 a.m. and I helped shadow judge the, I don't know if I'm helping, I'm just, I'm learning. Um, shadow judging from the 35 Ks all the way down to the 10 Ks. And um, so that was a really uh, great experience. And I just love working with the um, the other judges, the international judges, they're just really good people and deserve a lot of thanks for, you know, it, 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 it seems ridiculous because you say like, okay, the, the athletes are doing a lot of work out there and the judges, you know, we forget that they're standing out there and they're not allowed to move. They just have like maybe 200 meters that they can move all day. If it's an all day event, they don't get to really leave. So, um, you know, we race and we get done and then we can go get, you know, and air conditioned rooms, we can go eat, we can go lay down and take a nap. But no, these judges are out there all day in the sun or in the cold or in the rain. Like, and they don't get to just leave because they have to be there. So I thought that was just, it's it's like, I've always respected our international judges and appreciate the what they do for us um, and to keep the sport fair and, and in, with integrity. But just being able to just be in their shoes and work, you know, as I work my way to that level myself, it's um, while I'm still an active athlete, um, it's just a, it's cool. It's it's, it's an interesting dichotomy <laughs> because normally we retire first before we, before we start doing at the international level of judging being on the other side. So it was a, it's an interesting dichotomy like, okay, well, I hope that I'm, I love, you know, I enjoy keeping the sport fair and, you know, supporting, um, my my you know my international teammate friends you know in the sport at the same time i can't wait till i'm in the race so i can also be in the race right now i'm not done yet um so i did that in puerto Brady. that was amazing um and just watching my teammate maria perez shatter the america or the world record in uh yeah so she shattered the world record i got to be there for the whole thing her technique was phenomenal and um just to get to be there for that to witness and uh, that was really cool and then after Puerto Brady was uh where did we go I was supposed to go to A Coruña, but the flights were way too expensive it was the one flight I didn't pre-book in February so instead um since I was feeling so depressed about not being able to really know where my future's got because like I had planned to retire after Tokyo then I got talked into staying and now I am the only truly qualified U.S. American, if you go by the standard, um, for the 
well, last year and for this year's world championships because I'm the only one with the standard in the 35K. But because of, you know, the complications of, of you know, the sport manipulation that happened last year, there's just things that I probably won't be in Budapest this year. So it was almost like, well, why am I still going? Why am I still doing this and pouring my heart and soul into this when I'm not even valued by, like, my own organization? Like, my organization supports me, but my own event group doesn't. So um, with the – it was kind of like I was going through this, like, ex like this, like, let's think about this. What's the best way? Cause I love doing what I do. I love the fitness of it. I love the community, the international community of it. I love my other USA teammates and other event groups are, they're amazing and super, you know, awesome people. And so, um, and so I was really just trying to decide, I was kind of depressed because I was like, I don't know if I can stick in this sport because my own event group in my own nation treats me like shit. <laughs> but, um, I love being around my international teammates and all of my friends and my other USA teammates. And so, um, I don't know. And there's, there's a lot of youth that are coming up and under twenties that are coming up that I'm very like supportive of and excited for. So I'd like to see them not have the problems that I've had to face once they're at my level. Um, so I had, I've been doing some thinking, but I was feeling a lot of depression just like on what, you know, like, because I basically lost this season. Uh, so I ended up going to Switzerland because that surprisingly was less expensive than going to A Coruña for me not to race. So um, for A Coruña, it was about $690 round trip from Poznan, Poland to A Coruña. And then the room was going to be $120 per night. And um, normally they cover, they had covered me in the past, but this year uh, because of my my season not really existing, um, I couldn't get it covered. And so, um, and then, the, you know, then I would have to have that. So it was just too, too way too expensive for not having an income coming in. But I was trying to find cheaper ways to get there. And there was a flight that goes into uh, Zurich, Switzerland. And I'd always wanted to go to Switzerland. And it was only a hundred and... $30 round, because I looked up it one way, and then it it was going to be one, you know, there, and then it was going to take me to England for overnight, and then to Acuna. So then even the travel was going to be 14 to 21 hours just to get to Acuna for me not to race. So I was like, okay, I want to go see my, at least meet up with my Spanish teammates and my coach and have another opportunity to shadow judge. But it's just way too expensive. I can't. I won't be able to pay this off at the end. Um, I'm bare. I can't even. I don't even know if I can pay off this what I have right now for my training year, and or what I was supposed to do. Because I used when I what what I couldn't do for my normal training. I just utilized that for other things that support my career in athletics. So um, so anyway. So I ended up in um, Switzerland because it was just a. I think it was only 130. 130 round trip from Poznan to there. It was only a four hour trip. And so it's not going to add any like more tear on my body because we still hadn't, we assumed it's long COVID, but we can't, there's no way to confirm it. And so um, I had some blood tests for a while. My blood was showing that my, um, there was some things that I was deficient in, but then the second one showed that I wasn't, but that I was now like it looked at, everything looked like I should be healthy. So it didn't make sense that my body is feeling very, very morose and tired. Um, so 
I thought, oh, I'll go to Switzerland. Maybe I'll, I'll run some hills there, even though I'm not supposed to do anything. But there was no way. Once I got there, I was like, I went to go run and I couldn't even handle it. Um, but I ended up there for three and a half days uh, instead of Alcarina because I didn't have a place to stay in Poznan because my Airbnb had ran out while there um, because I was supposed to go originally straight to Alcarina. So that, this is the stuff that I was trying to figure out. And so I get there, met this amazing woman who was my Airbnb host. And we had some conversations on just, you know, just ideas that we were doing to support um, women more and not just athletics, but just culturally. And so it was a really good um, conversation and inspiring. And then I had one more day in Poznan because that was where I was flying out of because it's cheaper to do a round trip tip, round trip ticket, you know, when you book you know, from the same place. So when you go in and out. So I flew out there and came back here. I've only been in the US for three weeks. So I finally, because my, my coach didn't want me training until I could actually have a doctor see me. And I would already, I had already put almost a thousand dollars into tests there, like when getting lab tests to figure out if my blood could tell us if there's something wrong. Um, but, and everything said I was fine, other than earlier I was deficient in some vitamins and, and uh, testosterone and some other stuff. But that was like normal stuff. I just ate some more almonds. And um, so when I got here three weeks ago, I got an EKG, a heart, um, they took an x-ray um, of my lungs, uh, checked my heart, everything. Um, I mean, they didn't check my head yet because I still wonder if something happened when I hit myself when I fell in Spain last year and had Holy to go back. Holy crap! That sounds like that sounds like me. Why not? That sounds like me. What happened to me on New after I crashed on New Year's Day? Oh, really? On New this New Year's? Oh my gosh! Yeah. So, did you ever get it looked at? Because I'm wondering if there's yeah. something. You got yeah. I got an EKG, MRI, X-rays, the whole. The whole shebang. Well, I got all that done for post-COVID thing. So they are checking my lungs and my heart and my oxygen, which my oxygen couldn't be more perfect. She was like, wow. She's like, you're actually incredibly in shape for someone. Because I walked and I was like, oh, I'm not in the shape that I normally would be. And I have this race in two weeks, you know, that, that I'm forced to have to do. Because even though I did all the work anyway, they still are making me do this. Um and I'm not ready for it, even though I would be ready for Budapest and it's definitely by Pan Am Games because that's in October because um, that's a full, you know, three months is a full training cycle. So once, you know, I had the full approval from the doctor that I can return to training. So they looked at my heart and my lungs. My oxygen was like 100 um, percent. So they're like, wow, that's really good. Um, no heart murmur. Um, everything looked good. So they're like you can return to training. It does sound like you have long COVID. So just, you know, you will probably have, everybody looks different with long COVID, but everybody's symptoms are different, but um, you might still have feelings of morose, but you don't have to be afraid to heavy train it, train, you know, cause I was getting a little jealous, you know, of some of my other competitors who also got COVID and some of them long COVID, like um, one of the Polish athletes, she was, she just missed, she had to miss her own nationals her, cause that was in Warsaw. But she's still kicking butt. And then there's another uh, Hungarian athlete who, um, you know, she's still out there, like pushing it. Like, you know, like you can tell, like she's breathing harder than she normally would. But like, oh, at least she can get through the whole thing and still walk decent times. And so I was like, I'm just, 
why? Like, what's going on with me? Like, what? Why can't I get this to work? But now I have the um, authorization that I can train. It's just going to be a little different. So I have to approach it as if I'm coming back from mono. And um, but you know, it's it's going to be interesting because I have to race next week. And the most that I have done in the last three months is 40k within the last week. Not in one time like i haven't gone past 11k in one workout so all i'm doing is working out for an hour four times a week as of last week and um i had been doing some tonification just to keep some tone uh, muscle tone you didn't want me going too heavy you know until i got doctor's approval and that's only like two to three times a week so I'm not really, I'm doing, this is like the lowest training I've ever done going into a race that's supposedly important. Um, like right now, it doesn't really feel that important because no matter what I do, they're not going to select me. So um, even being the best ranked, um, even like the only one qualified if you go by the standard, because none of the other walkers have the standard. So it's just like, it's just, there's so many politics that it's just gotten to where it's not even something I, I can be even excited about. Like, it doesn't even seem like it, it means anything. So to me, it's just like, oh, I just have to go here because um, fortunately I do get support from my community and my, so I'm really grateful for the Pacific Association's um, USA Pacific Foundation, which was founded by George Kleeman, a, a wonderful man that um, I personally knew before he passed away. And um, I'm really grateful for their support the past several years. I mean, they, they've been supporting me since 2016. So they gave me a $2,000 grant and that's what I'm living on this whole year. <laughs> um, and part of it is to, uh, under the, you know, under the promise that I will be at Outdoor Nationals. So I want to make sure I go there. I'm hoping I can at least put, pull off um, a decent performance, if not a pretty good, but realistically, I don't know what to expect because I have not been able to train under doctor's orders and coach's orders for the last three months. <laughs> so um, definitely with a full training cycle by uh, Budapest, I could be ready and, um, you know, ready enough. Uh, not not to the point where I would be as high um, as I was last year against my international competitors, but um, for U.S. standards, uh, back into shape by at least, you know, July, August, or August, not July, um, oh, definitely by Pan Ams. But now looking at the way that they've manipulated everything, it's like, okay, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. So really, Right now, the focus is entirely on 2024 Paris. If I, if it, if my body shows me that it still even wants to do it, um, because right now this post-COVID, long COVID, it's like I have a different body than I'm used to. I don't, I don't. I'm learning this new one, and we'll see how. I have an amazing coach. He's super supportive. I have amazing teammates. My, my, my. When I say teammates, I'm talking about my Spanish and Ecuadorian teammates. Um, the real the people who really show me support and my other event groups in the USA um, that are outside of race walk in the USA. But um, like my my friend Magalie, she's so she's like, oh, you're not you know, I'm not ready for you to retire. Um, <laughs> you're not done yet. You're not done. And um, some of my other friends have been really helpful in keeping me my spirits up because they're like, no, Robin, like we know you're not done. You had COVID and you're recovering, but everything now looks like you're, there's only one thing I haven't checked and it's, it's um, 
I, I don't think I ever got a CAT scan or whatever of my head after I fell on the track last year. And some things did get weird on the track last, like I had an immediate um, migraine and I was throwing up. That's why they oh. took me to the hospital. You probably knocked yourself cockeye. <laughs> yeah, I actually saw I actually saw angels. So when I woke up, I thought I was dead um, because or not woke up, but I fell. I hit really hard. I still have a scar. I don't know if you can see that. There's these bumps on my hand going this way um, that are scars, and then the scar here and here from when I fell and slid, but. And my Spanish teammates were all behind me. Um, and when I say Spanish, I'm including all Team Guadix because people come from all over the world to train there. So I, we also had an Argentinian, um, Juanmo, and we had, um, you know, uh, Julio from Mexico was there and um, Ecuador because we had Johanna and Magdalene. Um, and then obviously all the Spanish and then I think one Irish Walker was there. And so all I know is I was trying to hear their plans for Madrid because we were getting ready for that 10K. Um, there was going to be their premiere event uh, as be premiere being part of the gold label series in the race walk tour. And so I was trying to get them, but they were talking Andalusian. So they're talking really, really fast <laughs> uh, Spanish. And so I was turning my head and I just hit this uh, crack in the track and just fell on the cement outside of the track because we were still warming up for the training that day. And that's, this is two weeks after Dudents when I broke those three American records and got the NACAC record uh, for the 35. And so I was in like really great condition. And then I just fell. And when I opened my eyes, I thought I was in heaven or something like in the in-between worlds or something because there is these three bright angels. So tell me if you've experienced this when you had your accident in January. Um, where they were just, they they really did. They would just look like these white light figures, three of them. And then they eventually had the voice of my coach <laughs> and um, one of my Spanish teammates, Alberto, and and the Argentine Juanmo. And I bet I couldn't see their faces. They just were white beings <laughs> of light, white beings of light. And that's when they, I heard they like kind of like picked me up and they wanted me to get walking because they wanted my blood pressure to get back up. And then that's when I started getting my sight back, my vision back. And I started to feel an immediate migraine. And then I didn't want to be a nuisance to them. And so I, they finished their practice, but they had me stay where they could see me. So my coach made sure he saw, you know, and Juanmo's like studying to be a doctor or something. So he said, yeah, you don't want to sit. You just want to walk for 40 minutes. So I just walked in circles in the middle of the track field while everybody else did the workout. And, but I felt terrible. I just, I, I thought, you know, like, well, I'm not going to panic myself. I didn't want to panic my family, but this is how I ended up kind of in, with Carl um, because I called him knowing that he would be up because he's in Florida. So that's three hours before. And so he, he kept me on the phone and, um, then I got to, you know, Juanmo didn't want me driving. They didn't want me driving smart, you know, because I might have a concussion. So they didn't want me driving. And so they drove my rental to my cave house. Well, at the time, I didn't have a roommate because Magali actually had just left to train in Poland. And she was my roommate at the time. So I was there alone. And that's when I started throwing up. I was trying to eat. And then I started throwing up. And I'm like, I think I'm concussed. Like, I think I have a concussion. 
And so he had me call my coach and then he took me to the hospital and then they had to take me to the other hospital in Granada. And I don't know, cause I was in and out of sleep and in and out of whatever. So I don't know what all the tests were. I was just grateful that my coach was there and Maria Perez and they took such good care of me uh, while I was there. They never left my side and they explained everything. And so, um, but I don't know if they had the technology that we have here for checking the head. And when I asked my coach about it, he said, well, you hit your face. So um, I think they didn't check me <laughs> from up here. And so um, by the time I got back here, I talked to my longtime doctor of 12 years and I said, okay, my coach doesn't think I had a concussion, but they had everything checked. And I'm just wondering because something's been different and maybe I got COVID there, who knows, but cause I didn't have the symptoms and I, I'm triple vaccinated and all that, but, and boosted, but, um, but she said, well, you're speaking fine. So I'm not worried about it like brain damage or anything like that. And I'd be too late for testing. You know, it's been over a month and a half since the accident. But I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I don't know. Like there's like for a while, I'm just like, is there just something different? There's something different ever since that fall. You might have had, you might have had post-concussion syndrome. syndrome. What's that? I maybe Where like you return, where you come back too early from a concussion. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible I did. Uh, that could have been what affected my, um, my NACAC performance in the 20K in the Bahamas and my, um, in September, my, uh, the 5K I did. Um, cause yeah, I would get headaches. Um, but I think I did, I think I tested, I, I know I didn't test, um, for my first time testing for COVID in months because I had been boosted was in Dudents because I had never had any symptoms, um, that I, I mean, I didn't, um, the only reason why I tested in Dudents is because Magalie's boyfriend had a cold and I was just like, and then I saw another, I saw one of the Ecuadorians post and it, it kind of alluded that she had COVID so that she found out she had COVID. And so, um, I had tested, but I thought, oh, I just have like a cold or something. Um, but I don't know. I think that's a combination of things. I think I might've come back from a concussion too soon. And I think, um, I ended up getting COVID either in Florida <laughs> um, and just didn't know because both Carl and I are very fit people. Um, other than I was just constantly feeling tired and couldn't figure out why. And that's just been a reoccurring theme until recently. The last two and a half weeks, um, even in Poland, I was still doing a strength, like towards the last month I was there, like the last two weeks I was there, my coach authorized me to at least do tonification workouts twice a week. So I, um, so I was doing some very light, like 30 minute tonification, like strength exercises and I was able to do it, but I usually can do three circuits and I could only do two. And then by the time I'd get to the, I would had to do these, like where you do push ups and then you go to your side, you know, to a side plank and then a push up and then a side plank. I couldn't get through those at all. I could get through five and that's not like me. Um, but now, as of two weeks ago, I'm able to do three sets of the tonification. I can get through all 15 on each side for all three sets for that exercise. So it's like, okay, I'm starting to feel like myself again. And I, um, since I finally got the authorization from the medical doctor saying I can train and it won't likely cause any further damage, you know, or, you know, anything that we can explain, you know, that doesn't look like it's going to be serious. Um, 
I ran to the tower, this tower that I used to run all the time as just growing up when I, when I was primarily a runner who race walked. And so this is like maybe three days ago, I decided I'm going to just run up to it and then I'm going to finish off the hour with race walking. And so I ran up to it. It's like a two mile ups, two mile, 2.5 K or something up. And then I came back down and I race walked and I actually made it. It was not as fast as I would go in high school. Um, but I was, it was like, I made it where before I would start and I was like, what is going on? I'm like breathing like really hard. My heart rate is way higher than it normally is. And that's still, it's still elevated. I read an interview by Sarah Hall where her, one of her most recent races, she was just happy that her heart rate was finally low, her morning heart rate, because she was coming off of long COVID. And, um, but I thought that, I, I, I thought that was interesting because I'm like, okay, I guess that explains a lot because my resting heart rate in the morning has been 10 beats higher than normal all year. And like just any, just really simple, easy paces for me, my heart rate's way up. Hmm. But yeah. I have, I finally got, two weeks ago, I got clearance. I'm allowed to train full, full throttle, elite level race walking again or, or running, whatever I want. Um, they said I should be okay. Just that. I got to work with feeling malaise, you know? <laughs> so hope, so hoping, so hope and pray for Eugene next week. Yeah. So I, I basically explained this to one of my high school friends I met up with. I hadn't seen him in years. And I was like, ah, I'd love to come support you. I've always wanted to see you race after high school. And I'm like, you're not going to be seeing me race. <laughs> like, you're gonna, like, this is, I'm there, but it's going to be pure hell because, um, my coach doesn't even want me racing. Um, he's like, yeah, you're not ready. Like we, we are focused on next year. We're doing a full build so that you can have a very awesome next year. Um, because next year is the important year. Um, so this is more going to be just me listening to my body and see what it does. Um, but it's more like a train, like obviously I'm racing, but, um, it's not like I'm going into that race like I normally would. It's not in the same mind. I have totally different goals. I have to my goal is in the past actually is pretty similar. Before Tokyo, I only cared about Olympic year. I didn't care about worlds. I didn't care about any of that. I only cared about worlds last year because it was in our home, our home country. Um, but you know, with all that drama with my own event group, um, I really just like, yeah, I guess it doesn't, you know, worlds doesn't really matter. It doesn't really have a lot of meaning. Um but they kind of took that away. But uh, so now it's just, I want to do, I want to have as best performance as I can, but realistically I have to go with what my body's ready for too. And it's not the same, it's not the same body um, and fitness that I'm accustomed to because it hasn't been allowed to have it <laughs> for all year. <laughs> so, so potentially you may or may not race next week but uh the big goal and the end goal is petty because i can't think of a better place than a racing career than paris right yeah it would be amazing um it'd also be amazing yeah it, that's why I'm, I'm really hoping that it they at least have some integrity my my federation and it's 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 on the, the shoulders of my event group, the chair of my event group and race walk, that they actually come to their senses and see that I am the only one that's actually qualified for Pan Am Games in the 35K and that they send me because I can be in shape for that one 
within three months. And that is where I started my career. So um, my first junior worlds was in Santiago, Chile and Pan Am games is in Santiago, Chile this year. And I thought, okay, I could do that because next year they're not going to have a real 35 K. And then, um, next year you know the olympic event for women and always has been is the 20k race walk for women race walkers so um so all of the focus is on just really maximizing my health and getting my fitness back now my health is where it's, it's supposed to be we don't know post covid's post long covid is different for everyone um but um looking at my other fr you know competitor friends who've had it uh there is hope, you know, that we, we have been able to bounce back. It's just, we bounce back at different levels. So I have, I have a great coach too, and he knows what he's doing and he, his, his values are in the right place because his value is on the person first on our health and our wellness first, and then our, our, uh, what we do. So Paris would be awesome. I know that's where a couple of my other international teammates would like to, um, ha like to have as their last race in their career. Um, Paris is also the first country I had ever gone to um, out of the U.S. when I was 14 and is the place that it was there. And I went to France and Italy with my history class when I was 14. It was my first time out of the U.S. and other than Canada and um, and other than Mexico. I mean, that's like we're all like the same right here in California, yeah. Mexico and Canada is basically the same country. First time out of North America. What? First time out of North America. Yeah, my first time out of North America was when I was 14 and I went to Paris first in France. And then we finished our trip in um, in Italy. And I think our last place was Florence, but it could have been Vienna. I don't know. Um, but Versailles, I don't remember. But I was little. But when I came home from that trip, I was homesick for a month. Like that felt like Europe felt like home to me, like immediately, even as 14, I went for a walk and I saw this artist and I called him the guy in the pink polo shirt. And I found that photo recently, like last year, I've been so busy my whole adult life that my first chance at unpacking my childhood bedroom was this past summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so there'll be some throwback videos from my youth and my childhood that might come up that my coach might post just for fun, my youth coach. Um, but that I found for my dad, um, for father's day, I had transferred. You, them might, you might have to, you might have to, I can help you create the YouTube shorts. You know what? I'll, you know, I'll work with you. We'll talk more about that. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of content and there, there's some funny stuff and there's, there's some pretty incredible races too. Um, but yeah, I hadn't, <laughs> some of my high school friends have, have like been teasing me about that. Like you must be busy Robin when you're now 40 and the first time while well, I was 39 still first time you've unpacked your childhood bedroom with your 39 years old. So, uh, cause I left the house when I was 18 on a full ride. So I don't know. Um, we'll see. So Paris, like that was my first country I saw out of the North America, leaving North America and made me realize how much I love Europe. And so I feel like I'm like part American, part European at heart because I still get homesick every time I have to leave Europe. And I still get excited to go home to go see Europe whenever I'm there training with my teammates there. And 
I still visualize, you know, like, I don't know, like, I just feel like a connection. Maybe it's just all of my ancestry, you know, like, because um, I'm a mutt. My ancestors love traveling, apparently, and that's the tra that's why I love traveling. But like, that means I have a lot of different country, like, ancestors from different countries from Europe. And so and maybe that's why it's like the roots where I feel home there. So Paris would be a really great place to just, plus it's the place of love, right? Like that's their whole theme. And so I love that like my Olympics started. I mean, if it's, if my only Olympics is Tokyo, that is perfection. Cause that was all I had planned on anyway. And Tokyo was amazing. I couldn't have thought of a more perfect Olympic experience for me. It was all I've ever and more imagined. Um, Cause you know, that was my goal was just to get there and to cross that finish line. And it was, it was a great experience. And I got to do it with the, uh, an amazing coach at my side and amazing Spanish teammates at my side. And, you know, just amazing, you, you know, our U S staff there was just incredible. Our support. Um, it was, just, it was a great experience and I love like Japan. And so like to start there and then to close it off because my childhood bedroom actually used to have Japanese characters and cherry blossoms and also, uh, the Eiffel Tower in Paris. And it was not because I knew, because we didn't even know these Olympics were going to be, you know, awarded to, to at that time when I was a, a child. Um, but the, I just liked the Feng Shui and like the whole, like, um, you know, like the Japanese gardens and stuff. Like I just loved how peaceful that is. And so I would have my room with some elements of that stuff. But then I also loved love, you know, I was a typical little girl, you know, like I loved love and I would collect even in as a, when I was a youth athlete, when I would travel and I met other countries, um, you know, other athletes from other countries, I'd ask them how to say I love you. Like, I probably some of the people thought I was hitting on them indirectly, but I wasn't. Like, I was just, I really wanted to know how to say I love you in every single language because I thought that would be the most romantic thing that when I fell in love, I could tell them I love you in all the different languages because <laughs> that's how much I love. So I would just learn different languages then. And um, yeah, long winded story. It's like, it's kind of, it would be kind of serendipitous and, uh, uh, poetic. Uh, if I did get to just end the career after all of this that I've gone through since Tokyo and before Tokyo, I mean, some of the people who are covering my story during the, you know, after Olympic trials in Tokyo, I was like, they don't even know half of it. They're only covering like a quarter of it that because they're only aware of a quarter of it. And it's like, it would be kind of serendipitous, you know, like where and poetic that it ends in Paris because my whole childhood was there. Uh, my bedroom, my college dormitory, it had um, it had a big poster of like the Eiffel Tower and just elements of Paris, <laughs> specifically Paris. And um, one of my favorite movies was French Kiss. So, you know, Meg Ryan. <laughs> well, one of us is running a 5K on the 4th of July. Can you? I know, it? and you're doing it in the heat. Well, it's <laughs> well, it's not going to be. I looked at the temperature. I think it's going to be in the 60s next week in Illinois. Yeah, it's hot there in the summer. I it's mean, it's going to. It's not the hot. Yeah, you're gonna. It's gonna feel very nice for you. Yeah. Because it'll yeah. feel and way. You know, and you know the thing is. All the people like from Decatur, Springfield, Illinois, and then I'm from the state of Florida. They're going to be thinking, "What? What? <laughs> Everybody moves from Illinois to Florida, not the other way around." 
So are you excited? Do you feel ready? Like, you know. I'm a little nervous. I mean, I'm, yeah. you're ready. You're ready. We've been talking but, about this for a few months. But the only thing that I've never done before, before I've done like every three, thirty, four, five days, I've never traveled the day before range. So hydrate. Just make sure you hydrate. Make sure you sleep. So two nights before. So the night before you leave, um, try to get a good quality sleep, like eight to eight to ten hours if you can. And then when you get, as soon as you get drink water on the plane, like buy a bottle after you get through security, buy, buy a bottle of water, a full one that you can just drink on the plane. And then when you get to the hotel, just drink electrolytes and water, electrolytes and water and sleep. <laughs> I was, well, I be honest with you, I can't sleep the night before any race. So that's, that's why it's important the two nights before. The two nights before is the most important to get a good sleep. I was actually thinking of drinking. I, I can put like an electrolyte in a bottle of water and drink that before we leave Florida that that Monday morning. Drink like an electrolyte with water with an electrolyte in it. Yeah, do that, but that won't be enough. Just one of those is not enough. You should try to get at least 64 ounces. Oh, I'm going to drink. I'm gonna drink though. I'm gonna drink enough where the back, the bathroom at the Charlotte County Airport in Punta Gorda could see a lot of me that day. That's good. That's good. That's how you take care of yourself. <laughs> yeah, and um, one other problem. Uh, you don't. One other problem. Um, you know how big these puppies are. The what are? You know how big my legs are. I've got size thirteen shoes. Yeah, you can cover more ground. No, no, I mean on the airplane itself because on the airline we're oh, traveling doesn't, yeah, doesn't the, have any leg room. Doesn't have any leg room. How like, long is your flight? A couple hours. Okay, so that's not bad. It's a couple hours. As soon as they let turn off the seatbelt sign, get up, do some stretches, go pee, and you should be okay. <laughs> Yeah, last year when we went, the fellow sitting across from me and I were, were like scrunch bees because we were we were both in we both put our foot in the aisle because we were he was like six four, six five, and I'm like six three. Wow, you're that tall? You're yeah. always so I didn't realize you're that tall. Wow. Size thirteen. Yeah, but there's shorties with that size, like right? Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, look at my head. My head's big. My head's bigger than a. Well, my head looks bigger than yours right now because of the camera. <laughs> How close my. <laughs> I, I don't know where. Oh, uh, so going. you know what? So I'm just gonna tell everybody I am six. One. <laughs> <laughs> See how big my head is? I'm six one. <laughs> no, really. What's your shoe size? I actually have big feet for my size. Um, I, I wear size seven and a half. So in European size 39, but in US seven and a half. I don't know what my shoe size would be. Sometimes in eight, feet. depending. My running shoes are size eight to give me room for my toes. <laughs> All right. So what are you wearing? What shoes? I've got, I think I've got some New Balance ones. I've got some blue New Balance shoes. Great. Are you going? Yeah. I've only I've only run in New Balance shoes. I'm not into like the uh, 
run race in New Balance shoes. I'm not into the Nike where like everybody who runs fast runs those Nike wears those Nike cleats. Yeah, I, I don't buy into that either. I actually Nikes have always injured me. I've not ever been a fan of Nike shoes. They've always caused me problems. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they might be fast. Seems like everybody who wears Nike shoes runs fast. Like well, all the but other brands, brands have the same shoes, so that are better. Like we have Asics makes probably a better one than Nike, and and then you have like Homa just jumped on board. Um, you have like I think Kipran has one now, and uh, Adidas yeah. and Puma and Brooks and like everybody has it now, not just. I just don't like how the Nikes fit. The Nike shoes are a little too narrow in the front for me. Well, so, yeah, the, well, yeah, they're made. Well, yeah, they're not made in. Well, yeah, the shoes are made in China or somewhere else. Well, they're cheap plastic. I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, I hope you have fun. I'll be checking in with you and following up. By the way, I do have one more question. Uh, do you know? Do you know what this guy is? Does that go on a bike? No, it's a well, it's a GoPro camera. Oh, GoPro. Sorry, I can't tell because it's dark on the right, so I couldn't tell if that was a camera lens or a. I can just see the square thing, the digital square thing. Oh, now I see it. Yeah. So you're gonna wear a GoPro while you run? I was wondering. I'm considering whether or not to bring it. Should I? Should I wear the GoPro when I run on Tuesday? I mean. It depends what your goal is for the run. I don't like to wear a lot of stuff while I'm running because I'm or racing because I want to have as fast of a time as possible, right? Um, but like when I'm just having fun, for example, I'm doing Wharf to Wharf on July 23rd, and that's just a fun race for me. Yeah, I try to run it as fast as I can and beat my time from the year prior, but it's just a fun race. So if one of my teammates were to say, well, wear a GoPro or carry your phone and take selfie, like I might. I might do that because it's just a fun race. You are a podcaster. Like, that's what you do. So why wouldn't you, if, if it doesn't bother you, have you trained with it? Like, if, if you're not going for, like, a, a specific time, you're going for that experience and, and just to run it, and you want to document it, then, yeah. I mean, to be honest, be honest with you, I've never run, I've never run as, I've never won a July race. I usually run for, like, October through March where it's not. Have you worn the GoPro during those? races I've, I've, I've never i've never i've i didn't bring the gopro when i ran what when i went to illinois last year i have run not races but a couple practice sims with with the gopro i can if it doesn't bother you i would say sure why not it'd be fun to see what you see with the perspective <laughs> of the gopro <laughs> yeah I don't personally would wear it, but I have a different intention, you know. Well, yeah, you want to be aerodynamic. <laughs> yeah. All right, Robin. Thanks for hopping on. Hopefully, uh, you'll get you'll be uh, quicker and better than ever, and we'll see you all yeah. taking some serious booty later. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.